Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, bringing you an expanding library of education with even more ways to sharpen your trading skills. Access new online courses, insightful webcasts, articles, engaging videos, and more, all curated just for traders. Plus, guided learning paths with content designed to fit your unique interests. No sifting to find exactly what you need so you can spend your time learning to trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just a show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World, Hank Waters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Oil lower, stocks lower as well, and this update is brought to you by Bentley University. What do developing apps at Facebook and analyzing data at Biogen have in common? An MBA from Bentley University where you will explore innovation and leadership because business is everywhere. Prepare here. A sell-off in oil sending stocks slumping. The S&P 500 index wiping out its gain for August. Traders are awaiting Friday's jobs report. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, down 3.6%, declining $1.70 a barrel now, 44.65 on West Texas Intermediate crude. Brent crude down 2.8%. Gold down four tenths of 1% to 13.08 the ounce. The 10-year up 2.30 seconds, yield there 1.56%. S&P 500 index down 10 to 21.65, a drop of five tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials down 84, also a drop of five-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Argentina, Brazil, Latin America in the news for so many well-deserved reasons. And, of course, not the least of which for Argentina is the fact after... Years of uh, uh, the rule of Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, the former president, uh, which was followed by a recession that is now in the third quarter. Uh, Argentina is seeing quite a turnaround and a great deal of optimism from not only people within the country, but investors after President Mauricio Macri took over in December. One of his first accomplishments was revolving a 15-year standoff in April with creditors, a dispute over uh, government bonds that were uh, defaulted on. This has opened the door again to optimism and investment, of course, is what Argentina is seeking. Now, to to bring this to us from the other side, because this is not just Argentina turning to the rest of the world. This is the rest of the world, including the United States, turning to Argentina. Let's bring in, on that note, Noah Mamet. He is our U.S. ambassador to Argentina. Uh, the U.S. embassy, of course, is in Buenos Aires, but he is in New York City with us today. Welcome to the show. Kathleen, thanks for having me. Well, uh, first of all, uh, Argentina, you're an ambassador. Uh, 
how did how, what is this like? I mean, it must. I, I've always thought it'd be kind of a very interesting job to be an ambassador to a country. It is, especially a country that's going through a big transformation. I got there a year and a half ago. Uh, sometimes I say we exaggerate in politics, but it is totally true. It's a 180-degree difference from just a year ago. This new administration is trying to correct these macroeconomic problems, and they're reengaging with the world. The first act of President Macri was to go to Davos. They hadn't had a president there in over 15 years. Uh, he just came back from Sun Valley, and they, you know, he's very interested in Silicon Valley technology, innovation, renewable energy, but basically re-engaging with the world. So the fact that we're there now uh, and we have a much bigger agenda than we used to have is really exciting. What's he like? Very interesting. He's down to earth. Uh, he speaks fluent English. So does his wife. They come to the States. They have uh, all their life back and forth. He's very international. I think he's very competitive. In fact, uh, we've played a game called paddle. It's kind of like paddle tennis, and he doesn't like to lose. Uh, but he's very intelligent. His cabinet, interestingly, about half of it, I would say, came from the private sector. And it's the first time in the history of Argentina you have anybody really from the private sector going into government. So they have a different outlook. And, of course, uh, President Macri has invited about 2,000 people, including the CEOs of BP and Dow, to an inaugural business summit. Some people are calling that a mini Davos. What do companies, including U.S. companies, want to see from Argentina now in terms of conditions to invest there? Are they looking for changes? Are they looking for incentives? So we have over 500 U.S. companies that operate and do business in Argentina, many for a 100 years. So if you look back in sort of the history of commerce between the two countries, there's major companies like Ford, like Citibank. The first place they went outside the U.S. was Argentina during the boom times of Argentina. So whether it's those those companies or Coca-Cola's or Dow's or Exxon, I mean, they're all there. And so it's really important that we increase trade and commerce and we focus on the three things you asked, stability, predictability, and transparency, I think, are what companies are looking for. Well, what about openness to investment? Because we know that Argentina is home to the world's second biggest shale deposit, second biggest exporter of soy, and it's one of the world's biggest beef producers. And let's don't forget all that delicious Argentinian wine. Mm-hmm. But uh, are they are the Argentinians open to having foreign investment in these areas that have been just, uh, such a huge staple of their economy? They are now. This is one of the big changes with this government compared to the last government. They're looking for foreign direct investment. They're looking for new markets. I'll give you one anecdote. Much of their economy is tied to Brazil. And so obviously there's challenges in Brazil right now, and that prevent that, that, that is headwinds to the economy of Argentina. I went and visited a Ford manufacturing facility. For the first time ever, they're producing trucks and selling to Mexico because they need new markets and can't just rely on Brazil any longer. I think that's the silver lining to what's happening uh, in Brazil for Argentina. Uh, that's, of course, that would make perfectly good sense that Argentina and Brazil on both sides, they each have to be one of their own biggest markets. And Dilma Rousseff, the president of Brazil, no surprise, the Senate did vote to impeach her. Have people in Argentina been talking about that? Have they been concerned about it or looking like, oh, this will be a, a good thing, a relief? I think it's a concern. I think it's a challenge. Like I said, even if this government does everything right, the fact that they're so tied about 30 percent of their economy to Brazil is a big challenge. And so when I give the example about Ford now having a new market in Mexico, I think that's the future for Argentina, which is new markets, diversify, 
increase their trade and commerce around the world. That's exactly what they're trying to do, not just rely, you mentioned soy, to China and other places, but actually have value-added products. I think that's the future. Now, um, Argentina is going to be auctioning off about $2 billion of renewable energy projects in October. Bloomberg, New Energy Finance, BNF, we cover a lot of this, and we have all kinds of U.S. companies that are trying very hard to grow their business domestically. So... uh, is there something that you're trying to do to make sure that American economies can bid and maybe win some of those projects? So recently I took 30 Argentines, 10 from the government and 20 from the private sector to California, where I'm from. The whole idea is to spend a week to focus on technology, innovation and renewable energy. Renewable energy is a huge opportunity, I think, for both our countries to work together. Right now, Argentina gets less than 1% of its energy from solar and wind, although they have some of the best sun in the north and the best wind in the south in Patagonia. So what we're trying to do is help them on the technology side from experts at Department of Energy and state, along with investors, whether that's solar or that's wind. I compare that to Los Angeles, where I'm from, and nearly half of our energy, nearly 50 percent, is going to come from solar and wind in the next two or three years. So that's a huge opportunity for us to invest there, to make money, but also to help the Argentine economy. You know, and the Chinese have been very assertive, very aggressive, uh, trying to get business ties in Africa, in South America. And some people would say they're ahead of us, the United States, that is, on both fronts. I know that President Macri wants to expand his nation's role as a trade partner, has reached out to Asian nations, Europe, etc. Would you... Would the U.S. consider doing trade deals directly with Argentina? I think that's a ways off. It's probably in the future. The one thing we have seen President Macri do is go to the Pacific Alliance as an observer for the first time. They've had a high-level observer. So potentially maybe individual trade deals with Pacific Alliance countries. Right now they're still trying to get Mercosur to do a trade deal with Europe. It's complicated because of Brazil as being one of the players now and with the political uncertainty there. So – I think Argentina is uniquely situated, as President Macri says, to trade both to the west and the east because of their location and the and the products and what they have to offer. So for us, again, 500 U.S. companies there, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, visa, visa waivers. This is something apparently Argentina is very interested in. More broadly, how does this work with most countries? What is Argentina seeking? What is this administration willing to do? It's a great question. President Obama was there earlier this year. We just had Secretary of State John Kerry. But on President Obama's trip, the Argentines announced they were dropping the reciprocity fee. So Americans no longer have to pay $160 per person to travel there. It's free to travel there. And we, in basically uh, in exchange, we said, okay, if you're under 16 or over 65 and you're Argentine, you no longer have to come into the embassy for an interview. The whole idea is to promote travel and tourism both ways. It helps the economies both time. And Secretary Kerry, when he was there just a few weeks ago, we also focus on travel and tourism. So this is a big opportunity for us, and we announced that Argentina will be the ninth country in the world uh, to be able to have the global entry, which is a really big deal. Yes, there's the visa waiver program, but the reality is if global entry is so much better for folks who are coming into the U.S. a lot. Uh, final question. 
what's the number one thing about Argentina businesses or tourists from this country should know if they're thinking of taking a trip or trying to get some business there? Well, there's this investment conference that, that you mentioned earlier, September 12th through 15th, that the government and the private sector is organizing. You have the CEOs of Coca-Cola and Dow and BP and lots of CFOs and COOs from around the world. I think that's a good opportunity to go down there and judge for themselves. And and then we'll see. I mean, they should only do what they feel they're comfortable with. But I think it's a great opportunity to judge. All right. Well, Noel Mamma, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You'll have to come back in a few months and, and tell us how it's going. And I want to wish my mom a happy oh. birthday. What's her name? Millie Mamet. So. Millie Mamet, happy <laughs> birthday. What a lovely son Thanks, you Kathleen. have joining us today. The ambassador to Argentina from the United States, Noah Mamet. I'm Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.